0: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> a lot going on in the world of sports on this Wednesday. We already have one final in the books. That was the Mets. They came up short in Milwaukee. But overall, you know, you take two out of three. It's a good trip. And you... Got a little bit of a lifeline because the Braves lost today, improbably, against the Washington Nationals. You're not going to win every game in baseball. That's why I play 162. So no harm, no foul. It would have been nice if the Mets could stretch that lead to even two games. But they'll have opportunities here as they go out to Oakland. And now the Braves will go to Philadelphia for four games with the Fighting Phils, who need those games, by the way, in the wild card race in the National League. Right now, as we speak, the Phils are the third and final wildcard team in the National League, and they have a two-game lead over the Milwaukee Brewers. So you know that they need the wins. They're going to go out there and try to beat the Braves here and play a little bit of spoiler roll. So we'll see what happens here, but that's until Thursday. Tonight we don't concern ourselves about that. we got plenty of football to get to because over at Giant Camp, even though all is right with the world, they're 2-0. and You know, Giants, have we said, they're one of the more pleasant surprises in the National Football League so far in the first two weeks which you know is a good thing I think all Giant fans have to be happy even though it hasn't been perfect but you know what a win is a win you don't have to give it back if it's not a blowout and if it's not a laugher you you win the game that's all that matters but you got guys in that locker room that expect it to have maybe more of a pivotal role on this year's team they're being paid to factor in certainly more to the outcome and the end of these games and most notably of course Kenny Galladay who we have not seen a lot of this year just played two snaps on Sunday in the win over the Carolina Panthers and today Kenny Galladay held court in the giant locker room so we will let you hear what he had to say and give you some thoughts on it as well. Of course, the Jets back to work. I was out at Florin Park today doing uh, a couple of interviews that you're going to hear on Sunday morning in our pregame show. Great spots, by the way. If I could, if I could deliver a little bit of a shameless plug, Garrett Wilson, tremendous dude. C.J. Mosley, who's been salt of the earth, you know, since he's come into the league, but. Uh, First chance I had to talk to Garrett and certainly the week that he had where he basically blew up and became the star of the NFL this week, right? I mean, with the performance that he had last week there in Cleveland, very down-to-earth, super nice, and a hell of a football player, too. So, you'll hear my conversations with Garrett Wilson and C.J. Mosley coming up Sunday on our pregame show, which, of course, begins at 11 a.m., right before jets Bengals out there at MetLife Stadium and the Coaches Club. We'll have Nick Mangold on as, his, as he is going into the ring of honor at halftime, deservedly so. So, we're all fired up about that. And, you know, the head coach had to field some questions today about the quarterback situation, because... Now you have an offense, which is clicking. You have an offense that produced and scored some points and moved the ball up and down the field last week in that win over Cleveland. And you also have a situation where it's the backup quarterback who's doing all these things, namely Aaron, Ju- or excuse me, Joe Flacco and Aaron Judge, Joe Flacco. And Zach Wilson is getting closer. And you know that before long, he is going to be clear to play and Jet fans expect him out there. They said he was going to miss, at the very least, the first three games. Well, third game is coming up on Sunday. And what's going to happen after that? Who is going to be the Jet quarterback when they play the Pittsburgh Steelers coming up uh, a week from Sunday? We'll get into all of those things a little bit later on. Well, also, how about this? We'll sprinkle in a little hockey talk tonight. Why? Well, because it was media day around the National Hockey League, and the Rangers held court up there in Westchester, and Gerard Gallant, Entering year number two is the bench boss for the Blue Shirts and had some things to say about this year's club and what the expectations are. So we'll hear from the Turk a little bit later on in the program. But you know where we got to start. Got to start with the Yanks. Got to start with Aaron Judge here. And it's funny because, like, more often than not, you're playing a game like this with, you know, two weeks to go in the season. And by the way, literally two weeks left in the baseball season, two weeks from today. And you would think that the number one story – would be that of Luis Severino, right? That he is making his first start since the middle of July. The guy's been out for two months. How much does he have left in the tank? How much rust does he have to work off? And more importantly, how much of a contribution is he ready to make to this Yankee rotation? We've talked about it repeatedly. If the Yankees want to go on a deep run in the month of October, if they want to do something special, you're going to need guys like Severino to step up. Because how many starting pitchers do you really trust on this Yankee team right now? And, of course, it's Garrett Cole. But then you need Severino. You need Nestor Cortez to essentially be that number three guy because Frankie Montas ain't it. Forget about him being shut down now with the shoulder, but even if he wasn't shut down, you can't like what you've seen from him so far since he's put on the pinstripes. Big start tonight for Severino. They're not going to push him. He's not going to be out there for, you know, 100 pitches. I I would say... What, are you going to get four or five innings out of him? And that's fine. As long as he feels good when he wakes up in the morning, that's all you concern yourself with, I think, if you are the Yankees. But it's a magical night out there, right? Could be a magical night. It was certainly a magical night last night. And he could have another one any of the next few days, whether it's tonight against Pittsburgh or whether it's the next couple of nights against the Boston Red Sox. I mean, there is this feeling in the air. There's this feeling in the city about what could potentially take place here because you know what this is? This is baseball history. Baseball history. And we always say, like, apart from the other major sports, baseball's record book, baseball statistics, right? Those things are held sacred maybe more so than any of the other sports. I don't know why that is, but it just always seemed to be. You know, growing up as a kid, you knew 61, right? You knew Henry Aaron's record when it stood. Those were numbers that were, like, ingrained Maybe not so much the other sports, at least like by name or number. You know, like when I was a kid, like Fran Tarkenton held the uh, the, all-time touchdown passes for quarterbacks. You know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the all-time leading scorer in the NBA. It's like, okay, but do we know like those exact numbers off the top of our head? No, you don't. But you knew 61 because there was something magical about that each and every year. And was somebody going to be able to break it? And, you know, you always kind of took that measuring stick at the All-Star break each and every year of – How much longer does this guy have to go or how many home runs is this guy going to have to hit? And, you know, God forbid if somebody gets to 40 home runs maybe by August, there's a chance. And then the 90s came and we didn't quite know it at the time, but you had the evolution of the steroid era. And guys were starting to put up video game numbers and guys were doing things that ordinarily we weren't used to seeing in the game of baseball. To where after a while it almost became cheapened because it seemed like everybody and their mother was not only hitting 40 home runs, they were hitting 50 home runs. And there were a lot of guys who made a legitimate push to try to beat that 61 until it finally happened. Two guys did it in one year in 1998. And then a few years later, Barry Bonds came along and he shot right past McGuire and Sosa. But it's never happened yet in the American League. It's never happened by anybody in the AL. That still stood. And it's maybe something that was forgotten about a little bit, right? And that is what Aaron Judge is on the verge of doing. And last night's ninth inning was magical, right? Judge hits it 60th, which by the way, I missed live. So I was driving home from the studio last night, listening to something else, because I thought the game, you know, the Yankees were down four runs going into the ninth game's over. They're not gonna win the game. So I was flipping around, I can't remember what I was doing. Might have been on a phone call, even. And then I get in the house, I put the game on. Yankees are rallying in the ninth. And then they're recapping everything that's taken place in this half inning. And they're saying, well, Judge hit the home run. Wait, like, he did? When? I, I didn't even get an alert. I got nothing. Nothing. And then Stanton, of course, with that unbelievable frozen rope to left field for the walk-off grand slam. So you had Lindor hit a grand slam to give the Mets the lead last night. And you have Stanton hit the grand slam to walk it off in the Bronx. Not too shabby for New York baseball in just a couple of minutes apart. And Pittsburgh just can't get out of this town fast enough, can they? I mean, my God. I know Derek Shelton a little bit. Had him on my show, you know, several times. Real good dude. And he's dealt with a tough hand this year. You know, it's a young team. It's a rebuilding team. But my God, how much more punishment does this Pirates team need to take? He gets swept in four by the Mets. And then he got to hang around New York City. And then you got to go into Yankee Stadium and blow a four-run lead in the ninth inning with Judge and Stanton hitting home runs. And Lord knows what tonight is going to have in store. One other thing that somebody has to explain to me, though, like apparently I heard them saying that like fans were leaving early last night. Why in God's name would you leave that game early? It's one thing for me. I'm a yo-yo driving home and I can flip the dial and, you know, see what else is on the radio and this and that. I don't have to be like locked in and glued to the game. But if you bought a ticket to go to the stadium last night in hopes of seeing Aaron Judge make history, knowing full well that he leads off the ninth inning, why would you leave? Unless it's an emergency, why would you leave? Just because he was hitless up until that point last night and because the team was down by four runs? Like, they don't go hand in hand. It's not Judge can make history only if the Yankees win. No, Judge can make history, but the Yankees don't have to win the game. And I think that this week, until the record is broken, I know this kind of goes against the grain, but I'm going to say it anyways. I almost think that Judge outweighs the game itself. Because this is something that hasn't been done in forever. Right? Judge and his quest on 61, I think trumps even the wins, the losses, and whatever happens here with the Yankees on the scoreboard in any of these games. I really believe that. Yankees aren't worrying about losing top spot in the AL East. They're going to win the division. It's only a matter of time before they clinch. But the situation with Judge is a different story in and of itself. This isn't just baseball history. It's sports history. It's our country's history. If you still believe and are still of the mindset that this is the national pastime, and I know you can be cynical about the whole thing, and you should be. You have every right to. But for those that still respect the tradition, still respect the history of the game, this is something that's never been done before on the American League side of things. And I know that people are a little bit skeptical as to really what is the record. Is it 61? Is it 73? What is it? Right? Everybody has a different opinion of it. To me, this is special. This is the mark. I don't know what you acknowledge to be the record, but love to hear from you at 800-919-3776. This is rarefied air, what he's doing. Rarefied air. We come back. We get into this a little bit deeper here, specifically when it comes to Judge, and more also the fallout from that kid who caught the number 60 home run last night. And I'm sitting there looking at these videos, and it's like a a legit mob scene. I mean, like, I don't care what type of riches something like that would bring to you, right? You couldn't, I, I wouldn't be within a million miles of a situation like that. I would not want anything to do with it. But I know I'm not like everybody either, so, you know, to each his own. You do what you want. And then you're also faced with that decision, like if it was you, and I told you that you're the guy that could catch the record-setting home run, number 62, and you also know that it could fetch you probably at least a couple of million bucks on the auction block. Would you sell it? Because that's life-changing money. Would you sell it? Or would you do what the kid did last night? You go meet Aaron Judge after the game, you give him his baseball, and he signs a few balls for you, and you get a few pictures taken. And I can't say it's the right or the wrong answer. Who am I? We'll talk about it all, though. We'll do our first Behind Enemy Lines feature of the week. We'll dive into the Jets' opponent for Week 3, the Cincinnati Bengals. Richard Skinner covers them for WKRC 12 in Cincinnati, knows the team inside and out. So we'll talk about the defending AFC champions who are off to an 0-2 start a little bit later on in the program as well. So Dan Grasso Show, we are live till 10 o'clock right here on this Wednesday, a possibly historical Wednesday on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: (laughs) Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing.
0: A record-setting Wednesday over in the Bronx, Eight hundred nine one nine is our telephone number. So, Judge is going to be strolling to the plate here in just a, a couple of minutes. We will keep you posted as if anything were to happen, anything historical, and I think you know what we're talking about. We're not talking about a ground rule double. We're talking about the long ball and the history. But, you know, I, I brought it up a little bit earlier, the, the scene with the fan last night, and the kid who caught the ball, and I guess he's like a 20-year-old kid, they were saying. I, I mean, I'm watching that video, and I'm watching just like uh, the mob of people, and Judge doesn't hit a home run. It's a, It looks like an extra base hit to left field. So he's got a double, but it's not a home run. So Judge helping the team win, but nothing historical. So he's got a hit. And by the way, that helps him as far as the Triple Crown is concerned, too. That's also something we're going to get into, but... The dude with the baseball, and, and just seeing this, like, swarm of people, it looked like those videos that you see on the news on, like, Black Friday when everybody goes out, like, Christmas shopping, and they try to get, like, the best deals as soon as the doors open at the store at, like, 5 o'clock in the morning, and they try to get, like, a television for, like, $35 or a computer for, like, you know, 50 or something like that. And you have people, like, tackling each other, like it's the Royal Rumble right in the middle of the aisle. That's what it looked like last night for a baseball and I understand that, look, a couple of million bucks are at stake. I mean, Brandon Steiner, he was on with the guys, I think, yesterday on the K-Show. And I think he said it could fetch somewhere between like 2 and $3 million on the auction block. Once you talk about that 62 ball. And the kid, though, I guess he's a big Yankee fan. And he's like, nah, I don't want any money. And they were able to arrange a meet and greet with Judge after the game last night. And Judge took pictures he signed baseballs, he signed a bat, and you know what, good for him, whatever. You know, to each his own. And like I said, that is a choice and that is a decision that everybody has to make themselves. You know, my situation is different than your situation. Your situation is different than the next guy's situation. If money is something that you are in dire need of and it could change your life, maybe they do look to sell it. Right? Right? But other people, you know, maybe out of the kindness of their heart, they're not consumed with money. That's why it's, it's, it's a tricky spot. And all I'm saying is, is that whoever ends up with that record-setting home run ball, whatever they decide to do, that's their choice. You can't kill them. 800-919-3776. Forgot the number there for a second. And by the way, the home run he hit last night, think about how that situation all fell into place, right? Because one of the things that we have been discussing for the last couple of months is Judge continued, like, hitting home run after home run. We said, well, if you're an opposing team, why would you even bother pitching to Aaron Judge? Right? Like, why would you let him even do this on your watch? Like, you don't want to be the pitcher who serves up the record-setting home run. Like, I I wouldn't want to be that guy. I know that you're linked to history forever, but it's not for a good kind. You were the guy that gave up the home run. Like, I remember... What was it, 10 years ago when Jeter got his 3,000th hit? I'll never forget that. He did it against Tampa Bay. He did it against David Price. When he hits the home run for hit number 3,000, like, David Price was, like, embracing this. Like, David Price was, like, you know, doing signings and everything, like signing 8 by 10s with the shot of him giving up the home run to Jeter and, like, you know, riding this out. I'm like, that's not something I would do, me personally. And I don't think any competitor would want to necessarily have their name attached to this. But last night it was the ideal scenario for something to happen. Ninth inning, it was a four-run lead. So Pittsburgh, you're thinking, all right, here's Judge. He leads off. If he hits one out of the ballpark, we still have a three-run lead, and we're still in good shape to win this game. You might as well pitch to him. They did. He hit it out of the ballpark. And then the wheels came off after that. But five home runs now in his last six games. Look, he might set the record tonight. Could set the record tomorrow. Might even set it before Friday. Because I know everybody's all up in arms about Friday and the Apple TV Plus, and God forbid you're going to have to stream it, you can't watch it. Oh, what a disaster, right? Well, you might not even have to worry. Because it could happen before then. And before I get to the phones here, just, just, just take a step back for a second and, and, and let this kind of marinate, right? When we talk about history and significance and things that have never been done before. Aaron Judge is tied with Babe Ruth right now most home runs in a season or, or you know think about that tied with Babe Ruth that, I mean that's like you imagine waking up in the morning and like that's you and you and like you whatever you know that's your profession and you're tied with Babe Ruth at something and oh by the way you played for the same organization he did that's pretty cool it's pretty cool all right let's go to the phones Tyler's in Neptune first up here on the Dan Grosso show 98 70 SPN Tyler how we doing Hey, what's going on, Dan? What's up, Tyler? How's things?
1: Yeah, Just getting out of work now. Started at 7, so long day, but we're all That's right. That's
0: called a 12-hour day as far as I'm concerned.
1: This time. Oh, good luck and, with that. Uh, you do what you got to do. But anyway, if I caught the ball, what yeah. I would do is I would obviously look for the nearest security because there's going to be tons of it there. But what I would do is I would... As soon as I got out of there, I would wait around until the end of the game in the, wherever the designated area is where they're going to have for that guy. And I would try to bargain with Judge. I would say, you know what, I need some life-changing money. I want to buy a house. I'm only 24. Right. And you are about to get some generational-changing wealth money. So how about we just make a little bargain? You're about to get maybe 350 400 about what I want, maybe one or two. So when when you get paid, I'll get paid, and I'll hold on to the ball, and then I'll give it to you then so this way you get it at a discount because I do think he should have it before it goes into the Hall of Fame. Well, Here's the thing
0: about it. Like you said, with the, with the bargaining with Judge, I don't know how that works, to be quite honest with you. Like, I mean, does the bargaining session happen, like, in the bowels of Yankee Stadium, like, right after that game? Or is it something that is going to maybe be drawn out for, let's say, a couple of weeks or maybe even a month or who the hell knows? Because, like you said, this is probably going to be for some big, life-changing money we're talking
1: about. Well, like I said, yeah, the two and a half, three million. Judge, you can have it for half of that. Just give me a little bit. Like you said, in the battles of the Yankee Stadium, I would do it right after there. We'll get a handshake deal, and I'm sure we'll get lawyers and this, that, and the third involved later. But I would do—I would try to get a handshake deal done there and see, you know, hopefully Judge's character is good enough to hold up to that. I think he may be, you know, I'd hope so. Yeah, I mean, Judge, by,
0: by all accounts, he's a good guy. And Tyler, thanks for the phone call. Go get some rest. Tyler putting in 12 hours at work today. Um you know what's funny too? Like I guess I saw that on the secondary market, tickets in the left field bleachers, where you know the majority of you know people expect this home run to go, eleven hundred bucks. Eleven hundred dollars, and that is only for an opportunity to maybe snag this thing, an opportunity. Because, A, you don't know if it's going to beat a left field. I mean, judges have plenty of home runs to the opposite field. And in that ballpark, all you got to do is stick your bat out, and it's going to go over the right field fence. It's a joke. So there's no guarantee. And then $1,100 to potentially be in the middle of a Royal Rumble, for crying out loud, where there's going to be like 8 million people all trying to get their hands on this thing. Which is just, I, I mean, what more can you say? But he's had the right attitude about this whole thing, right? He's kept it in perspective, and let's be honest, he hasn't let it affect him the way he goes out there and plays. Let's hear from Judge. This was after last night. He was asked, what does number 60 mean to him?
1: It's tough to say because you don't – I don't think about it. I don't think about the numbers and, you know, when you talk about Ruth and Maris and Mantle and all these, you know, Yankees greats that did so many great things in this game. You know, you know, you never imagine as a kid, you know, getting mentioned with them, but it's an incredible honor. You know, something I don't take lightly at all. We're not done. we still got a couple games left in this, in this season and, you know, hopefully a couple more wins come with them.
0: Well, and that's the thing too, right? Yankees – I mean, look, we know that they're going to make it, but the bottom line is we know – that they haven't clinched the playoff spot yet. And they're still playing for bigger things than just his home run record, but this record has just been like engulfing almost everything that the Yankees are trying to do. And I think it's a perfect situation that if he could set the record and the Yanks win games and help them get to this playoff push that they're trying to achieve, best of both worlds. And they're going to get there, and Judge is going to set the record. Just don't know when it's going to happen. How about his manager? How about Aaron Boone? He says, you know what? The season the judge is having right now, it's right up there with anybody's.
1: And I go back to the context of the season, and the more I look at it and dive into it, it's got to be an all-time great season. I think it mirrors other sports we've seen, you know, Gretzky in the days where what's the difference between one and two? Jim Brown, Babe Ruth, I think it's that kind of season that we're looking at.
0: But Aaron sounds terrible. I've been listening, you know, for the last few days, but it never really, like, registered until just hearing that right now. Play that again, Harvey. Just play the beginning of that again.
1: And I go back to the context of the season, and the more I look at it and dive into it, it's got to be an all-time great season. I think it mirrors other sports we've seen, you know, Gretzky in the days where what's the difference between one and two? Jim Brown, Babe Ruth. I think it's that kind of season that we're looking at.
0: Is he okay? Can we get Aaron Boone like a Halls Eucalyptic or something? Get him some, some tea with honey or whatever they prescribe for, for a, a bad voice? My gosh. I don't know that the allergies are a pain this time of year, but my geez, he sounds terrible. Terrible. Keep him away from Judge. If you want him to set the record, you know, you're going to find an Aaron Judge can't play today because he caught whatever the hell Aaron Boone is uh, trying to fight off there. Lastly, Tim Kirchen baseball savant, baseball historian, knows the game, knows the history of the game, okay? He was on ESPN radio, and he was asked, you know, a question that I kind of floated out there a little while ago. Who in his mind is the all-time single-season home run leader? It's a line in a record book, and it's important. However, if we start taking records away from players and we are really going to destroy the record book, there was an asterisk next to Roger Maris's home run record for a very, very short time. And then everyone recognized this is really bad and this is really unfair. I think we should just leave it up to our best baseball fan and let them determine who is the all-time single-season home-run leader. For me, it's Barry Bonds, but I understand anyone who looks at this differently, and
1: that's the beauty of the sport. It's a record, it's a line in a record book, but it doesn't tell the whole story.
0: It doesn't tell the whole story. Remember, the, for those that don't know, by the way, the asterisk that was attached to Roger Maris's 61, like if you remember the Billy Crystal movie, the HBO, which was very, very good all those years ago. I can't remember when it came out. You know, the title of the movie was 61, and then there was the little asterisk next to 61. Because once upon a time, the commissioner, Ford Frick, this was in the 60s, um, attached an asterisk to Maris's 61 because when Ruth hit 60, Ruth did it in only 100. Remember, they played only 154 games. So it was a little bit different. And then, of course, teams are playing more games. You have more opportunities to hit the home run ball. And that's why he had a little bit of an asterisk, and now it's gone. This is history, folks. This is history. And, you know, I, I, I've i had so many, and we all have, you know, we've had all of these conversations for so many years about the steroid era in baseball and the record book and the damage that it did to that and and what truly is the home run record and who is the home run king. We could get into it again. I'd love to hear your thoughts, and I'll share mine with you at 800 919 We'll also get into the Mets and generally what was a good stay in Milwaukee, but not a good afternoon today. Dan Grasso Show, ninety eight point seven ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on ninety eight point seven ESPN. <laughs> That's right. Play it. Do I promise it came from the wrong guy? <laughs> Oswaldo Cabrera with a grand salami. So look at that. In consecutive innings, yeah, there was all day in between, but Stanton walks it off with a grand salami. Last night, Oswaldo Cabrera, first inning grand salami, and the Yanks are off and running for nothing over the Buccos after one inning in the Bronx. So they got this game pretty much under wraps. Severino could go out there nice and easy the rest of the night. Hey, you can even sit judge. You can even sit judge for the rest of the night at this point, right? You got this game locked. Oh, you mean we're, we're playing for personal statistics? Individual records? Is that what we're doing tonight? That's what this is about? I'm kidding, of course. Look, I know the steroid error is a touchy subject. I get it. You know, there's guys that aren't in the Hall of Fame because of it. Guys who, when you tell the history of baseball, in particular that one, you got to mention their names. Their names got to be mentioned a lot. Clemens, Bonds, hell, even A-Rod. Throw them in there. McGuire, Sosa, all those guys. And I did a 180 and have done a 180 about that very subject over the years. I really have. Because for the longest time, I was kind of like with the mob and – said, hey, they cheat, they did stuff, get them out. Keep them out of the Hall of Fame. It's tainted. It's no good. It's illegitimate. And look, I could sit here and tell you that absolutely it wasn't done with legitimate means. But also when you reevaluate that particular time in the sport, think about how many guys were actually doing things, whether it was the hitters, whether it was the pitchers, everybody. You know, is it so ridiculous to suggest that half of baseball was doing some sort of a performance-enhancing drug during those years? You know, half. I don't think it's that ludicrous. I really and truly don't. So if that many people were using it over that period of time and you had guys like Bonds who would shatter the record book, before that, Maguire and Sosa, and guys putting up, you know, video game numbers statistically, why should we sit here Why should we sit here and not acknowledge and not honor the guys that clearly were performing above and beyond everybody else? And if you even want to translate it to the Hall of Fame and you want to tie it in that way, all right, I'll make this argument for you. Think about how many managers are in the Hall of Fame. No questions asked. Whether it's Bobby Cox, from that era, Bobby Cox, Joe Torre, Tony La Russa. How many games... Did those managers win? And obviously, you get into the Hall of Fame as a manager by winning games, winning championships. How many games did those managers win due to contributions from guys who were performance-enhancing drug users? How many? Well, we don't have an exact number, right? But you have to admit that at the very least, it was aided significantly by players who we do not term clean. So we're not talking about keeping the managers out of the Hall of Fame. And let's not forget the guy who was the shepherd of Major League Baseball during those years, Bud Selig, the commissioner, they put him in the Hall of Fame. The sport, which collectively knew exactly what was going on, and they collectively all turned the other cheek because it was keeping baseball in the news, fans were eating it up, it was getting the attention that they craved while the NFL was soaring to new heights, while the NBA was still living in the Michael Jordan years, and they were really popular and so on and so forth. Baseball saying, hey, what about us? But once Maguire and Sosa happened in 1998, which, by the way, was four years after a work stoppage and four years after the World Series was canceled, which is like sacrilege when you talk about the national pastime, the maguire sosa home run chase in 1998 got baseball back on the front page for the right reasons. And that's why they kept it going. So if all these other people are in the Hall of Fame, we're going to keep guys like Bonds out? We're going to keep guys like Clemens out? Right? Right? Guys who, even though they never failed the test, even though we kind of knew exactly what was happening. So take what you want to be the record. As far as I'm concerned, you can still celebrate Aaron Judge and everything that's happening here, at least from an American League side of things. When we come back, let's pay some attention to the Mets. We'll do a little behind the enemy lines at 8 o'clock. Dive into the Jets opponent this week, the Cincinnati Bengals, with our pal Richard Skinner from KRC 12 in Cincinnati. But we'll talk some Met baseball and an opportunity that eluded them earlier today in Milwaukee. Dan Grossa Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grossa Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Sliding into the second base in the first inning. And then he came up a little bit awkwardly. And, you know, it just didn't feel right. And then in the bottom of the inning, when he came charging in for a fly ball, kind of felt something tugging and decided to exercise caution and took himself out of the game. And, look, Mets don't have a game tomorrow. They're not playing again until Friday night in Oakland. You want to give him a day out there. Maybe at some point he returns this weekend. You hope it's not anything super serious. They said he's going to get imaging there tomorrow. Um, but the Mets... You know, you hate to overreact off of just one loss, right? You, you, you hate to do it. You know, they won that game last night. It was thrilling, come-from-behind fashion. Lindor would a, you know, go-ahead grand slam. They're 40 over 500. But today was another golden opportunity that was lost, right? I mean, that was, that, that, that was an opportunity where you could have stretched that lead to two, and two is big. Two is a big number because, at the very least, Remember, Braves have two more games to play than the Mets do. So they're even in the loss column. So let's say you go up two games. Then if Atlanta wins both games that they have to make up, you still have a one-game lead over them in the standings, right? You still got that one-game lead, but... Now we know that that's not the case because the Mets couldn't win. And this was a one nothing game for, like, a long time today. And the Braves had already lost by the time that Met game went final. Like, Braves went final thanks to our pal Joey Manassas of the Nationals, who since he got called up this year, the guy is absolutely raking. Judge strikes out, by the way, in his second at bat of the night. And the Mets just can't get any offense going today. They can't. You know, Walker hung in there, I think, for a long time, made the one mistake to Adamas. Maybe Buck rode him a little long, and, you know, he got into some problems there in that inning. And then the bullpen came in and kind of just, as I like to say, set fire to the game. And make no mistake about it, you know, you can like the the, the way this Mets team has played this year. You can like the position that they're in right now. And, and it's all well and good. And they're a good team, and they, they, they should be able to make some noise. But the absolute Achilles heel for this baseball team this year Has not gotten any better. The thing that concerns you pretty much all summer long continues to be an albatross. And the scary part about it is that now, and we're talking about the bridge to Edwin Diaz in the bullpen. But what's happening now is you've got guys who are back off the shelf, whether it's Drew Smith, whether it's Tyler McGill, guys that you're trying to maybe incorporate into that role who can maybe bring some stability to it. And they're going out there and they're struggling. You know, and especially the culture of baseball that we live in right now, where pitchers don't, don't go deep into games, pitchers are not going, you know, eight, nine frames, and especially in October, where managers are way, way quick with the hook. That I don't care who you are. If you're Max Scherzer and you run into trouble in the fifth or the sixth inning, you know what, Buck's going to come get him. And then what does that mean? you got to call on your bullpen. And do you really trust these guys? If you can't trust them to make pitches against so-so teams that aren't even going to the playoffs, how are you going to trust them in October playing against really good ones? Tell me. That's a problem for the Mets. It's a problem for the Mets, and the Mets have not found any solution to it whatsoever. And it's really the same thing, too, that they're just dealing with this Braves juggernaut. The best team in Major League Baseball since June 1st are the Atlanta Braves. You won six in a row before today, and you still never got any further separation because the Braves kept winning. And it's not just about the Mets because Atlanta's playing at an insane level right now, an absolutely insane level. And you want to say that today evens things out because last night you had that kind of crazy win and late-inning rally and so on and so forth. That's fine. But you still got a job to do. And don't overlook this Oakland A's team. As we found out a couple of times already when the Cubs went in here and swept the Mets, don't go out to Oakland and sleepwalk. Each one of these games matters. Pretend that you're playing the Dodgers. Pretend that you're playing the Braves. When you're out there, and that is a tough game to get up for, and tough games to get up for, because you're playing in that Coliseum, which is probably the worst environment, the worst atmosphere for a baseball game that you're gonna find in the entire sport. There's about twelve people that go to it. The amenities are horrible. There's okay. the majority of people there might be Met fans, actually, but there aren't gonna be a lot of them. Cause who wanna trek out there if you're going on a road trip to go see that your team play? It's a disaster. But you got Bassett, Scherzer, and DeGrom pitching those three games. You should win them all. I don't think it's a stretch to say you should win every single one of those games. Atlanta, meantime, plays four in Philadelphia. Phil's maybe going to do a better job. They play better at home. Hey, is it too much to ask? You think Atlanta could maybe, or Philadelphia, could maybe split the four games, a little two and two? That the worst thing in the world? Hoping, but I don't know if it's going to happen. Here's Buck Showalter from after today's game giving an update on Brandon Nimmo.
1: I think he was smart about it. You know, he felt it uh, sliding in the second a little bit and got out in center field and thought it would be okay. And then he took off after a couple of those balls in front of him and uh, smart move trying to get ahead of it. He's got left quad tightness. And we'll get some imaging tomorrow just to see what we're dealing with. But uh, always concerned. Mm-hmm. But I'm hoping that his caution there is something that will reap some benefits. Taiwan Walker, as
0: I said, pitched well today. You know, the final stat line doesn't look all that gaudy because of the four earned runs and the six innings, but he was cruising until the seventh. Made that one mistake to Adamas, and Buck tried to extend him a little bit more. He was extremely efficient with his pitch count. Think about it. He ran into trouble in that seventh inning, and he still ended up with only 88 pitches. He had a really, really good day. I think we were talking about it on the show last night because Carrasco was struggling in his start last night, and I said, you know what? If you're asking me who I think should be that fourth starter to get an opportunity come postseason for the Mets, I think it's Taiwan Walker. It should be him. I, I, I have more faith in him than I do Carlos Carrasco. Not to say the Carrasco's bad, but I don't know. Walker's got a little bit more of that bulldog mentality, I think, especially in these big games. And it's funny enough, he was asked about what his role should be or will be come postseason time
1: after today's game. I mean, whatever they want me to do. This is my ninth year in the big leagues. If they want me to start, I can do that. If they want me to go in the bullpen, I can do that also. I know how to prepare. I know what my body needs. And so whatever the, whatever the team needs, I'm here for them.
0: It is a tricky situation, isn't it, right? Because you don't think of a lot of sports that way. You know, when you go from the regular season to the postseason, you just really it, – it, it, you know, football, for example, you play a certain way all throughout the season, that's how you're going to play in the playoffs. NBA – you play the same guys all throughout the regular season. That's what you do in the playoffs. Hockey, same thing. But baseball, it's different, right? Baseball, you got a starting rotation. You got five guys when you play 162 games. Then you get into the playoffs, and things get narrowed down a little bit. And instead, you're going to tell one of the starting pitchers, hey, you know what? There's no room at the end for you. Sorry, you're going to have to come out of the bullpen. You know, you can't just, we can't just keep doing it the same way we've done it for six months because it's the playoffs, and it's a little bit different. And I know we still got two more weeks, but right now, all things being equal, if you're going to tell me that these are the guys that the Mets are going to be throwing out there, I think Walker should get that fourth spot. We'll see how Buck and we'll see how the organization plays it. But they got bigger things to worry about before the playoffs, and that is winning the National League East. Right? Finding a way to distance themselves from the Atlanta Braves. And remember, next weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Mets-Braves three games. You hoped that it wouldn't come down to that. You hoped that they would maybe have sewn this thing up earlier, like earlier in the summer when they had the bigger lead, but it wasn't to be. And give credit to the Braves for that. Not even so much the Mets falling off. It was more the Braves have just upped their game entirely since June the 1st.